You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. So my perfect day um, would first start off mentally being in the right place. So that mean that means the preparation was done. It wasn't last minute. It wasn't rushed. There wasn't something going on at home that wasn't dealt with. There wasn't something going on with work that wasn't dealt with. Um, being in the mental place and the mental time to go out and enjoy that day, that's number one. Because it don't matter what you catch, what the weather's going to do, whatever. If you're not in the mental space to enjoy that day, it, it don't matter. So that and that and that and that I'm telling you, I'm telling you, is probably the hardest thing to do in today's world with the way I look, look what's going on right now, right? Like I mean, to not get caught up in all the BS, right? So to 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 go out and literally enjoy that. So that's number one. Number two is wake up early, right? Not rushed. You know, don't feel like you're gonna get there late and you're gonna miss and all that stuff and get there. Uh, beautiful sunrise that's uh i don't care where you are in the world what you're fishing for there is you know a sunset's one thing but a sunrise is something else um you know watching the watching the earth wake up watching mother nature wake up uh taking in you know the the true surroundings around you uh, you know using your eyes and your ears and uh it's amazing what happens when you're in that mental space and you're sucking it all in and uh, you don't really care whether you hook up or don't and when you do hook up it just you know everything comes together well this week we're going to head out to southwest ontario we're going to sit down with mike verhoof who has a lot of stories and anecdotes aka maitland mike Uh, he's been in the guiding game a very long time with fly fitters um, he does a learn to fish program, but uh, a guy that definitely is embedded in the industry has some amazing stories, really enjoyed chatting with him and has, uh, you know, a refreshing take on, on the sport that we, we all know and love. Um, want to let you know about the top 10 cities on the podcast for downloads this week in order. Thanks folks for listening in Wasilla, Alaska came in first. Also, uh, St. Francisville, Louisiana, then Arlington, Texas, followed by Abbotsford, BC, Burlington, Ontario. Collierville, Tennessee, Danuba, California, Doylestown, PA, Atlanta, Georgia, and Seattle, Washington. Thanks, thanks, folks, a lot for listening. Uh, we'll get to Maitland Mike next. Just also want to let you know that we've got a bunch of merch. Uh, the Fly Fishing 97 podcast hats. It's a bounty-washed mesh back hat, six-panel, low-profile uh, ball cap, uh, 37 bucks. Uh, they're on uh, Instagram if you want to check out what they look like. Uh, $37 includes shipping, so that's to your door, okay? So no matter where you are in North America, we'll get it out to you for, for $37. Uh, also got some decals, outdoor-rated 6-inch decals suitable for a vehicle. Or I'm a bit of a sticker guy. My, my vehicle looks like a NASCAR. But uh, <laughs> anyhow, uh, if you want those, that's 4 bucks. includes shipping. All you have to do is email me, mark at flyfishing97.com. And uh, I'll I'll get them out to you. I'll let you know how uh, I'll get your address and all the details. So anyway, thanks for listening. Maitland Mike is coming up next.
Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com. Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Thanks so much for tuning us in this time around. We were going to head out to Ontario, Southwest Ontario to be specific, and we have Mike Verhoof, a.k.a. Maitland Mike, out of uh, Southwest Ontario, guide owner with Fly Fitters. Mike, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Good to, ha- good to uh, have a chat with you. Yeah, man. So we, you got to dial me in on all things fly fitters in just a moment. But Mike, as you know, I always like to start off, kind of go back, kind of rewind the clock a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how you came to discover fly fishing in general. Well, great, uh, great way to lead into this. Uh, basically started at the age of uh, 10 years old and uh, was given a, a fly rod uh, from an uncle uh, who had an old fly rod that he wasn't using, so he gave it to me. And I lived uh, just down the road, um, was a neighbor. Our neighbors had a stock pond full of largemouth bass. And um, me and my brother and sister used to go down there with our little spinning rods and you know catch the easily swayed largemouth bass. And when I got that fly rod, um, you know, I was lucky enough to get a little fly box that came along with it and it had a couple little poppers in it and I thought I'll go down and try this and uh, you know the rest is history man I got hooked on that whole concept of watching a fish come up and take a fly off the surface and you know at the time you're 10 years old and it's a little cheap you know I think it was a cheap two-piece fiberglass Canadian tire rod probably that he would have (laughs) had but um, you know I uh, still to this day uh, nothing excites me more than watching a fish you know, come up and uh, take that popper, whether it's a largemouth bass in a stock pond or whether it's a, you know, cutthroat on one of the eastern tributaries of the Rocky Mountains in Alberta or whether it's a brown trout on the Grand River here in Ontario or the Saugeen River or, um, you know, a skated fly for steelhead across uh, one of the tributaries of the Skeena River in BC. You know, there's just nothing, nothing beats that, right? That whole concept. So 100%. Totally, I totally get that. Explain to us a little bit about, okay, so when you kind of got the bug originally, and and I know we're all usually fairly young when this first kind of hits us, but as you kind of started picking up steam and trying to figure things out, if you had to cite a few influences, is there anybody you can look back and say, yeah, this person really helped me along the way? Oh, good one. Um, Yeah, so I, you know, you start that at 10 and then you you know, you play around with fly fishing, you know, and you don't really know what you're doing. And, and, uh, you know, I was self-taught, uh, uh, the whole bit. And when I moved out, I actually moved out to Alberta with my uh, sales career in agriculture in, in 99. 
Uh, I was in my late 20s. And that's when I'd say I really, truly learned how to fly fish. And there again, still self-taught. But but to your specific question, there was, and I can't remember his name right now. You're going to have to help me with it. But he wrote the book about fly fishing the forestry trunk road in Alberta. In Alberta. And, yeah. And um, he was a well-known, I don't know if, if that's Jim Mc clennan or not that wrote that book but ah, okay. anyway so i'm not going to say that he did but that book i remember that getting that book when i moved to alberta i spent five years in alberta and i literally traveled that old forestry trunk road and fished all the little tributaries that were rode up in it and you know that's when i would say i really really got the true you know bug about um you know understanding hatches and and chasing specific fish on specific uh, rivers mm-hmm. and that type of thing. You know, all the fly fishing before that here in Ontario was, you know, you just kind of went out and did it and played with some smallmouth and stuff like that. But, um, and, and then the second thing to that was, uh, two months after I moved to Alberta with my agricultural career in sales, uh, we had a team sales meeting in Calgary. Um, and one of the fellows on my team, he, uh, he said, Hey, why don't we go down a couple days early and we'll do a float trip on the boat river and i said a float trip on the boat river what do you mean he says yeah we'll hire a guy and they got these drift boats and honestly until then i'd never really seen a drift boat in ontario there was a couple guys maybe that had one back then this is in the late 90s right 99 mm-hmm. and uh anyway we uh we did we down, went down a day early and we hired um west Wind fly shop and um uh, I forget the guy's name now that the guide, but uh, anyway, we uh, jumped in the drift boat and away we went. And I wasn't in that drift boat 10 minutes. And I said to myself, how come, you know, there isn't one of these on my home river, the Maitland River in Ontario. Yeah. And I basically said right there and then, you know, if and when I get back to Ontario, I'm going to get a drift boat and uh, to fish the Maitland River, which is the river I grew up on fishing and still am fishing today. Uh, you know, six years later, I moved back to Ontario and uh, I started actually fly fitters uh, guiding business then. That was in 2004, and uh, bought an outcast raft that first year, and ended up buying a clack craft drift boat hmm. a few years after that. And here we are today. That's good stuff. So before we get into your guiding service, I I want to get to know you personally a little bit. You ready for a few kind of rapid fire questions about day to day? May or may not have anything to do with fly fishing questions. Fire away. All right, man. Favorite tunes on the way to the water. So if you're driving in your truck to the river, what are you listening to? I love my good old 80s rock, <laughs> 70s and 80s <laughs> rock, AC, ACDC, anything like that. I'm usually listening to 94.5 here, which plays the classic rock tunes. Good stuff. Sports teams. Are you Leafs guy, Argos, Raptors, Jays? How do you get your fix in sports? Uh, sports hot. Yeah, definitely a hockey kid. You know, we're Southwest Ontario and got to admit I'm a Leafs fan just cause it's a Leafs, um, you know, collected all the hockey cards as a kid, had a boreal salming number 21, you know, Leafs Jersey when I was a kid, yeah. you know, played a, played a fair bit of hockey, but never, you know, not, never got into it big time. But, um, and then sports got to admit, uh, got like the football too, the CFL, uh, but obviously the NFL as well. Um, hmm. wouldn't say there's one team or other. I'm usually cheering for the underdog in the, in the, in the I, final, right? I figured but, you um, might be a Bills fan. 
No, 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 definitely not. No, um, no, not no, no specific NFL team. Uh, any even when it comes to a CFL, too, nothing specific there. And then, of course, like the Jays from a baseball point of view, but more from sports, it's more hockey than anything else. Favorite place to talk fly fishing. So, is there a fly shop in your neighborhood that you kind of get your fix, or maybe a pub? Where do you go to talk fly fishing? Yeah, good question. So, so actually around here, no, there isn't. Um, you know, the closest true fly shop to me would be an hour away. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and even that is, you know, it's a mixed shop, right? It's a fishing store with, mm-hmm. a, you know, a fly section in it. There, you know, I guess the only true fly shop would be, uh, you know, trout fitters in, on the Grand River in Fergus. Um, but there again, that's an hour and a half away. So, so a lot of my fly chat is usually nowadays it's on Instagram. I just mm. got on an Instagram about a year, year ago and, uh, you know, Facebook before that, but Facebook's turned into what Facebook is. So, um, more Instagram from a picture's point of view, I've always, you know, like the picture taking pictures, you know, that, that, you know, and I, you know, having an eye for that different stuff. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So then you end up some chats there. But I guess if there's one place to, you know, talk fly fishing or share fly fishing or share the experiences of fly fishing, it's probably on Instagram these days. Yeah, no, I hear you. You can really kind of craft where you want to go with it. And uh, no, it's a great tool for sure. And business-wise as well. If you had to pick the biggest lesson that you've learned on your fly fishing journey, is there something that kind of sticks with you Mike, that you've learned uh, that the sport kind of pastime kind of brings to your life. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not about the fish. Hmm. It really isn't. That's the biggest thing I've learned over the years. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people. You know, there's a saying on my website. A lot of you know, a lot of men go fishing. A lot of people go fishing their entire lives, not knowing it wasn't fish they were after. <laughs> and um, I, I I find that to be so true today. Um, you know, I, I know lots of guys I talked to and, you know, oh, how'd you make out yesterday? I said, oh, I didn't touch a fish. But I said, I freaking had a great day. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean? You know, how can we, and it's, it's, I think when you, when you can get to that point, if it's, if it's all about catching fish, then I don't think you're really getting it. But I can really I ask don't. you, can I ask you, Mike, has that been an evolution to that point? Because I know from my perspective, it has, it was all about numbers. It was all about size and now it's. Yeah. Yeah, it, definitely. It, it yeah. evolves, right? Yeah, it's definitely an evolution because it's, you know, you, you, you know, I think it's part of it. You know, the reward is the fish, or the the need is catching that fish, or you have to catch the fish to justify it. And, and I think it's a bit of maturity, it's a bit of years of experience, it's a bit of, um, you know, guiding. I'll tell you the guiding side of it. Uh, you know, you, not anybody can guide. I'll tell you if 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 you're not if you're all about numbers and catching fish, you're not going to be a guide. Um, you, to be a guide, you need to, you know, be able to, um, not worry about catching the fish. Obviously you need to produce and stuff, but my whole guiding career has been based on the relationship I build with my client. It's, it's, uh, uh so, you know, on that note, um, and I'll share this right now, this COVID-19 situation, uh, I had to cancel my, uh, entire spring season here. So, you know, I always have three weeks booked, you know, I book holidays from the work side of things and uh, I've got repeat clients. I've got clients that have been going out with me for, for one of my longest guys, 15 years. He's come up every spring and spent two days with me. Hmm. And um, when, and I held off as long as I could 
um, before I canceled and I wanted to see how this was going to play out and canceled my guys. And I had guys saying, you know, well, could we come? Should we come? Shouldn't we come? And we, we just canceled. It was the right thing to do. Um, uh, it was just the right thing to do. So I completely canceled. And then it was now what? And you would think the first thing you would say is, oh, man, this is going to be great. I'm going to get to fish every day. But that's not what I said. Like, I, I could not believe that, that that was, I had no interest in going out to really? fish for steelhead. Yeah, I had none. I had, it was, and at what, what it made me realize it was a, it was the need to have the relationship to the, to see the clients, the client friends, I call them all client friends because mm. that's what they are. It was, that's what I was going to miss. And, um, so now what I said to myself and so I've canceled it and I've kind of got this time planned off. And so I, I'm, I'm an outdoors guy all the way around. I love hunting too. And, uh, so this year's quest was two things. It was to shoot my two, fill my two Turkey tags with my crossbow and fill them it, mm-hmm. uh, with a buddy. And the second thing was to catch a steelhead on a dry fly. Well, how'd that and, go? Uh, I put 13 days in fishing a dry fly and I finally caught one. <laughs> so, and this, and you know, there's going to be lots to you know, lots of people are going to say, well, you know, what's a dry like? I, I mean, true dry fly, true swinging, wow. uh, you know, 13 foot, eight pound leader off a Scandi line, uh, you know, space swinging, not side drifting. This was all swinging a dry fly, and I, you know, I, I learned a lot. I turkey hunted every morning. I only I only missed five 4 a.m. wake up calls in the 35 day season. You seem and, like a guy uh, that fully commits. Yeah, oh yeah, we committed pretty hard on this one. And <laughs> I, I saw more and learned more than uh, I have in a number of years, especially sitting in the turkey woods first in the morning, um, uh, just making that extra challenge of trying to get with a crossbow and, and filming it to boot. And then and then the dry fly side of it was, um, yeah, I had one good buddy that I was able to spend some time with on the water and social distance with, but... Uh, and he was in the same boat. He, um, you know, his work was closed. He's an optometrist, and he, he couldn't uh, uh, do his office either. So he had the time off. But we we fished together a fair bit, and he's swinging tips and catching fish. And he couldn't believe I just stepped, kept hammering away with this dry fly. You know, when the it was only five degrees out, and there wasn't a hope in hell that a steelhead was ever going to come up and take that fly. But I said, no, I'm committing to this, and I'm going to do it. Hmm. And finally, uh, it, it it's funny how it goes. Um, when turkey hunting that morning, I uh, got back about 10. Conditions were perfect. It was, I think it was the 14th, 13th or 14th of May. Water finally got warmed up. We were getting some good caddis hatches, and we had the first Hendrickson's coming off. I went all by myself. Every other day, I was usually hooked up with my buddy or, you know, there was somebody at the other pool I always fished down from the cottage. And This day, I was all by myself, went 10 o'clock, and, and uh, top it all off. Another good client friend that wasn't able to come up the weekend before, he had been following me on Instagram, and he made a comment to me. He said, if you're going to do this on, if you're going to go all the way and only fish dry flies and catch a steelhead this year, why don't you take the next step and use a bamboo rod? Hmm. And uh, and it ended up he had a, he has a, a Bob Clay custom-made bamboo rod, uh, you know, seven weight that I have in my fly fishing room stored for him for safekeeping and he reminded me that I had that rod here and I completely forgot about it. So of all things, I pulled that rod out that morning, uh, went through the 
effort of taping it together and you know setting it up with a scanty line and all that and i went to my favorite pool down from my cottage and there's the only one there not a person around and i'm just kind of getting the feel of this bamboo rod and you know punching out a 450 grain scandy line on it and had a 13 foot leader with a a caddis uh you know caddis deer hair caddis mm-hmm. swinging dry fly basically and uh it wasn't sixth cast and boom this nice big drop back buck colored up buck nailed it and uh you know saw the saw the wake and the take right it was you know it was pretty much it was on the surface and uh you know landed him 10 minutes later and bamboo rod to boot first morning with it you know my buddy sent me that uh, this client friend of mine we've had good vibes through the years and i you know get a real chuckle out of that that he told me to do that and then i did it and then it actually worked out <laughs> and uh Anyway, yeah, landed a steelhead on a dry fly here in southwest Ontario on a bamboo rod to boot. Um, wow. And, and that was the only fish, and I, I'll publicly say it while I'm saying it right now, that was the only fish I caught all spring. And not a lot of people can say they could do that. So it was, you know, to, to be living, you know, live right on the Maitland River and, and stick to the guns of swinging a dry fly. And <laughs> and so to where this whole conversation started, Um that's awesome. It, it ain't about catching fish, man. It, it really ain't. I don't um, think I've heard it put any better than that. That's good stuff, 100%. When you're not fly fishing, you're usually doing what? Oh, so working in the ag industry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as uh, Eastern Canadian Regional Manager there, that keeps me busy. Uh, my wife and my son, I've got a 14-year-old son, and we've got... Uh, you know, a 20 acre acreage property. Um, and I like gardening and I like our, you know, our perennials and I like my garden and I like the yard work. And so that's usually keeping me busy. Got a five and a half year old lab that chocolate lab, Lucy, that, uh, needs two walks a day. Um, <laughs> you know, we like to, we like to think that it's the dog that needs the walk, but it's actually me that needs the walk <laughs> twice a day. And, uh, I can relate. And yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, the biggest joy they bring to you is the fact that, uh, you know, they have a need, but the need's actually for you. And um, Who's so, locking you know, who? Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So, um, <laughs> and that's one of the things I've found through this whole COVID situation too. You know, there was two months there where you're home every day, so the dog walks got longer every day. And uh, for the first time since I was in my late 20s, I, I got below 200 pounds. So I'm six foot three. You know, I've always weighed them you know, pretty good shape. I've always weighed around that two, 206, 210, but two months of walking dog and keeping busy and not driving around, eating out, and eating proper. I've actually dropped below 200 pounds. Did which you, was, did uh, you find, can I ask you a personal question? Did you find with sure. all this too, there's a, you save money because you're not, because oh, <laughs> like... un, un, unreal. Like, I mean, un, yeah, like, no, it's definitely saved money. It's a, uh, you know, definitely on that note. Um, now I missed the, the guiding season. So that uh, hurt yeah. a little bit financially right. too. Right. But um, you know, that is what it is. And uh, hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting, um, it's been a really interesting reflection right yeah. on this whole, whole concept. Right. But well yeah. put, what's the best job you've ever had? Are you, are you doing it right now? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, if, if, uh, yeah, yeah. The best job is is uh, you know I love hosting trips, 
And in my mind, that's the best job in the world. Mm. Um, and, and when I say that it's, it's, uh, you know, you gotta remember you've, you've kind of hand selected your, your guests that you're taking along with you on these fly fishing trips. You're going to pretty freaking cool place. Right. And, um, you know, you're, you're the guy, right. You're the, the one they're looking at to get direction for the next day and how things are going to go. And, uh, you know, usually when people go on trips like that, it's people that know what ain't about the fish. It's about the experience and the trip. So it's always a good time. And that, uh, when you, when you hand select those right guys for that, it uh, makes the trip in the world. And I would say that, uh, you know, that's been my best job mm. to this day. And I, 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 I do have a quest to do that full time in the next, uh, not too many years. Um, uh, and we'll see where that goes. We're talking hosted trips, corporate outings, walking away, drift boats, on that note, let's get right into your business. We're chatting tonight with Mike Verhoof, a.k.a. Maitland Mike, guide owner with Fly Fitters in southwestern Ontario. We're talking on the, the shores of Lake Huron. We're talking steelhead, trout, bass, muskie, the Maitland River, Bayfield River, uh, and lots more. Tell us about your business, Mike. How, how, first off, how did you come to start it? Kind of walk us through that a little bit. Oh, great. Uh, so, um, as I mentioned earlier, I ended up in, in Alberta for five years and um, ended up, uh, uh, the company I was with did a major downsize and I took a package from that company and left. I uh, moved back to Ontario uh, with my uh, wife-to-be, wife now, Selena. We moved back here to our property and, and I was out of work. I uh, kind of thought I was going to maybe be giving up my career in agriculture and um you know ended up with a severance package so i had a few months uh you know money that i was able to figure something out and um started the concept of fly fitters um i thought of the name one day i remember walking my first chocolate lab one day and and you know the whole concept of outfitters and i thought fly fitters and i thought that'd, that'd be the name if i was going to actually do this and anyway we got back to ontario here and uh, uh property that we specifically wanted to come back to you know came available and we did we moved to it and uh, it's right here on the Maitland River and um thought you know no one's really doing it in this area there was a few other guides at the time in Ontario but nobody lived right around here and was doing it and I thought of the tourism sector of it we have a fair few people that visit Ontario's west coast to uh, for tourism in the summer and so came up with a name and just jumped right into it Bought an outcast, 13-foot outcast raft, um, you know, a bunch of gear, and started that uh, first spring uh, guiding on the Maitland, which was a river I grew, grew up on, and uh, then turned into, uh, you know, some tourism business in the summertime. So a lot of uh, introducing people to the sport of fly fishing, introducing couples, doing some corporate events, that type of thing through some of the higher ends and hotels in the area. And... Um, and then, you know, sure as sure as heck, uh, a year went by doing that. And I was doing some contract sales work in the agriculture industry and that those two winners. And uh, if hold and behold, I didn't get offered a full time job back again in the in the sales and the things in agriculture. And so uh, decided that was the right thing to do to take that. And um, then I just kept the fly fitters going as a part time uh, seasonal uh, you know, side business weekends, right? Uh, was a big thing, and uh, mm. did a fair bit actually in the 
and uh, back in the day and they've kept that going kind of all along um and now you know you, you you know you can plan your time like today's world of of phones and cell phones and you know everything can be done on your phone it's amazing what you can do right um yeah. where where you are when you do it so that's basically how it started and um you know here we are 16 years later and uh, i think i've crossed the as we had mentioned before we started the the interview here when we were small chatting um i think i crossed the bridge that many many you know full-time guides or people that have been able to make a full-time living in the fly fishing uh you know they had to cross that bridge at some point where you know you give up the you know your main career to go do that you got to jump in with two feet and um i've crossed that bridge i bet you six times in my 16 years hmm. of thinking should i quit my you know day job i like to call it my real job and then there's my fun job my fun job's fly hitters but um but this in, in might, our... does that not bring something to the soul though and i know that's, that might sound a little cheesy but i always think that if everyone needs that paycheck everyone needs that day job that guarantee if you can get it kudos to you but if you also can have that that side gig that where you also draw a passion from it just brings more to the table yeah exactly no and and that's that's exactly it so yeah, you got to remember we're you know we're in canada for one right mm-hmm. um think of our seasons now drastically they change here in southwestern ontario there again um you know it's it's very seasonal the species we can you know fly fish for are very seasonal there's a few guys that do make a you know full-time go out of it but it's a tough go like it's a really tough go and uh, when you look at your know, corporate career and and uh, the benefits that come along with that um you know, and then I just do the fly fitters, you know, part-time, full-time, I call it on the side, my fun job, and uh, I've kept it going. But at, at one point here, I'm going to, you know, retire from the real job and, uh, you know, do the fun job more than I have been, put it that way. But um, Tell us a little bit about the fishing that, that, that your area offers, because I know it's really diverse. We talked about steelhead, trout, bass, muskie. That's, um, that's a full gambit right there. Well, and that's it. And you could, yeah, so let's start with the steelhead. So the Maitland River, literally the prettiest river in southwestern Ontario. Um, you know, and that's not just because I'm here. That's because everyone tells me that that sees it. And everybody that's, you know, fishes for steelhead in the province of Ontario and, you know, knows about the Maitland River, especially from a spay, uh, spay fishing point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the size of the river, the flow of the runs and the pools, it's, it's, it's the nicest river to spay fish in southwestern Ontario. Um, and we, we have a really good, not, not prolific amount of steelhead. We really don't. It's a, it's a true native, you know, old, old genetics. Some of the first genetics that were, you know, put into the great lakes, lake here and here, you know, are in the Maitland river. There's no stocking in, in the Maitland river. So we're, we're truly, you know, living off of, uh, self-sustaining, you know, older genetics. So, you know, you talk to people that have fished all over the great lakes and the different tributaries that catch the steelhead in a Maitland, they, they say there's something special about a Maitland steelhead. And I got to agree on that. So we get, you know, we get a decent run spring and fall for steelhead. The spring season's short, you know, our season here opens the fourth Saturday of April and, uh, you know, traditionally by the 15th of May, most of the fish have blown out back to the lake because the water's dropped and warmed up enough. Uh, the odd year we'll get, uh, for example, last year, uh, 
you know, I was able to run my drift boat and catch steelhead right up until the end of May, which is hmm. maybe only one year in the 16 I've been guiding that I've been able to do that. And then this year we've had a real cool spring and then you would have thought we'd have steelhead around until the end of May and, and the water, but the water dropped. We didn't have much moisture. And uh, as soon as it dropped and got low enough, uh, even though it was cold, it was still, you know, 48, 49 degrees. Uh, they blew out, like they were gone. And it was pretty much all over by the 15th of May again, uh, which is which is traditional. So that's the steelhead. And then the fall, they you know, there again, it all depends on the flow, um, how much rains we get in the fall and whether we get a bump in the flow. But usually around mid-October, uh, for sure, by the you know late teens of October, we'll have steelhead entering the system. And then the seasons open up upriver right through till the end of December so we can pursue steelhead pretty much all fall. Well, I gotta and, tell you, I gotta tell you some of the picks that I saw the steelhead that you had. You just you kind of caught my attention there when you said old genetics because a lot of the Great Lakes steelhead I see look a little different from what I'm used to seeing on the west coast. And some of the fish that I saw from the Maitland looked a lot like a, a skeena fish or uh, you know the bulkly fish. They they had that look that was very different. Yeah, they got that that big wrist on the tail, the big wide rudder. Uh, the big tall, you know, the big tall dorsal fin, and um, you know, if you talk to some of the biologists, you know, in the province that know, uh, they'll they'll say that it's it's some of the older genetics. So there again, it's there's no dams on the Maitland River, so we have no way of really knowing. Like there's no fish ladders that they got to go over or anything like that, so we have no really way of knowing what the true count is on the river. It's it's my personal guess now is six to nine thousand fish. That's about it that run the Maitland River. Um, some people are going to tell me I'm crazy. Some people are not. But <laughs> I've got probably more years on it than anybody else. And from what I see, I don't think we actually have that many fish that run this river. But they are uh, um, they are self-sustaining. So the genetics, it's 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 a true, pure survival of the fittest concept, right? So the fish that are getting up into those cold water tribs, uh, it's not the fish that are spawning in the river itself because you know, the river gets too warm too quick and you don't get the offspring with getting the 50 days at 50 degrees. So it's, mm-hmm. it's the fish that get way up into these cold water tribs that feed the Maitland system that are self-sustaining and going over. Whereas, um, you know, you go up to the Saugeen River north of here, which is another fabulous fishery, but uh, there's a fair bit of stocking going on. They've, you know, they've got a club that's doing a really good job up there. And, um same thing. There's some, you know, self-sustaining fish that are getting up to cold water trips, but there's still a lot of stocking goes there. So you really do see the difference in the genetics of the fish um, around the Great Lakes. And if you go onto the U.S. side, for example, you know, the state of Ohio stocks more fish in one river down there than we do in our whole province here in Ontario, for example. Hmm. And um, so, you know, you, you really see the difference, right? But but to your point, for for me to hear you say that, put a smile on my face because I hear that from a lot of people. And um, there's something special about a Maitland River steelhead. You just you and, also uh, said something, Mike, that just kind of hit me. Fifty degrees, fifty days. Is that is that? And that's the first time I've heard that. Is that is that a number as far as the eggs in the water? in the systems that they need for the fry to hatch or what is that number? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a number I heard years ago and I, you know, I, I just always use that saying and it makes total sense. So yeah, I like it. Ste- yeah, it makes total sense. Right. So a steelhead egg 
needs 50 days of water below 50 degrees for it to, you know, fulfill its life cycle to get to a fry stage, right? And even in as a fry stage, and I, you know, I'm I'm not a biologist by no means, but uh, that was a saying I picked up, and I've I've heard that a lot, and it makes total sense, and I've seen it. Um, I mean, hmm. you know, you get you get a river here that you know can get up to 80 degrees in the summertime, um, you know, and it gets up to you know as soon as it gets to 56, 58 degrees, they start blowing out, and you know, there's many mornings you I'd start float trip and you do a water test and it's 59 degrees in the morning and by the end of the day it's 67 degrees because the it's a lot of limestone rock base on the maitland river and that warms up quick while those fish are blowing out right and we all know trout over 65 degrees is not good so so you know you get a late you get a late steelhead that comes up and spawns in the river well 50 days that's like almost two months right Mm -hmm. so so they lay in there and then all of a sudden within 30 days the river's 67 degrees well those eggs aren't going to make it and those fry aren't going to make it and then there's all kinds of smallmouth in there they so they eat it up so it's the fish that are getting way up the system into those cold water tribs and i mean we're talking little tribs that are two three feet wide you know foot deep but all spring fed that's where the the steelhead factory you know happens on the system and those are the fish those those native genetics that are going up Real early, most of those fish have actually spawned and are blowing out of the system before season even opens. And um, we do have a section on the lower Maitland from Highway 21 Bridge to the lake. So it's about a mile of, mile of river that is open 365 days a year. And, um, you know, with, with climate change, global warming, however you want to word it, whether you believe it or you don't, um, you know, there's many, many years where we can go steelheading every month of the year here and this year was one of them i fished uh, january i fished in february and i fished in march uh, hmm. this past year because um, we had open water and you know there's the odd steelhead trickling up and some of the you know big runs of the true you know native genetic fish um they're the ones that are you know that first big blowout at the end of february or early march those are the ones that are going way up and getting there and then there's even I do believe there's there's a fall run too that go up and over winter, but it's not as big as people think. It's uh, it's it's a smaller. There's a lot of fish that come in in the fall, but a lot of them drop back out. There are some that make it up to the tribs in the cold water pools and overwinter in those pools, and they'll spawn very early in the season, and they're probably you know blowing out. We're catching drop back spawned out fish in March at the lower end. So it's, hmm. it's, a, it's a unique, it's a really unique fishery. You know, the whole fact that steelhead, you know, some people are going to argue that I shouldn't even be calling them steelhead. I've always had those arguments with people too, because true steelhead needs to go to salt and come back in, right? And go through that whole, come back into fresh water, go through that whole thing. But, you know, they were steelhead that were, you know, stocked in the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they've, they've done their thing, right? So... So that's the, yeah, that's the steelhead fishery for us in Ontario. It's, uh, it is what it is. Um, you know, it's a thousand dollar ticket and a plane ride to Vancouver and then up to Terrace before we can fish for, you know, true, true, true steelhead. But, uh, for, for all us folks that live around the Great Lakes, um, you know, it's, it's a fabulous, they're a fabulous sport fish, uh, by far my favorite sport fish. I I was actually, Uh, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, and and the next in line to them is is trophy smallmouth. Like mm. I mean, trophy smallmouth bass. Everyone thinks bass are easy to catch, and man, oh man, that's not the case. They they can be uh, 
uh, you know, they can be as finicky as trout, right? And, oh, and yeah. true, true trophy, trophy bass, you know, getting 20, 21 inch, 22 inch trophy smallmouth bass. And we have them around here, but um, you need to catch a lot of bass to get that. And then uh, mentioned muskie too. Uh, we've got the Saugeen River just north of us that does have a, you know, resident population of muskie. They're far and few between. You don't catch a lot of them, but they are there and they're, they're fun to, you know, uh, drive you crazy just try to spend the time and, and try to get them hey um, look at i'm talking to a guy that just spent uh, how many days with a dry fly and a <laughs> to yeah, get thir- a thir- 13 steelhead yeah, yeah i mean uh, i think you probably could commit to that <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 that said you know i've spent days on the sog or on the skeena river too uh swinging a fly and uh, i've been going out there the last uh, nine years now and um you know, the skeen is the Mecca, right? The world Mecca for steelhead. But man, oh man, I've seen that river, you know, produce some fabulous days. And I've seen it produce some tough weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's, that's fishing in general, that's real. not steelheading. That, right? That's honest. Yeah, that's real. That's, yeah. And, and what, you know, I look at, um, you know, the skeen what makes one want to go back out there is it's, it's all about that chance, right? It ain't about catching the fish it's about the chance of catching that fish yeah and um i've experienced a, a good friend of mine do it twice you know because the 20 pound plus steelhead right and uh mm-hmm. you know typical the easiest going guy you're ever gonna met no care in the world whether he caught a fish or didn't right and sure enough that's the guy that catches the fish right <laughs> and uh yeah and i uh, got a theory yeah, on that <laughs> yeah yeah well and he he'd only i think he's you know, i know he's only been out out there twice in his whole life both times he happened to uh, go on one of my hosted trips and both times he you know caught a fish of a lifetime uh, wow. so good on him and, and if he's listening floyd you know who i'm talking about so <laughs> so just just before we get all your your social media how people book a trip with you and all the good stuff you're up to with fly fitters i, I want you to put your artist hat on for a second mike and your perfect day forget that you're guiding this is your trip um make it yours what's what's your perfect day look like what are you what are you chasing what time of season and just kind of walk us through that so my perfect day um would first start off mentally being in the right place Hmm. so that means that means the preparation was done it wasn't last minute it wasn't rushed there wasn't something going on at home that wasn't dealt with. There wasn't something going on with work that wasn't dealt with. Um, being in the mental place and the mental time to go out and enjoy that day, that's number one. Because hmm. it don't matter what you catch, what the weather's going to do, whatever. If you're not in the mental space to enjoy that day, it, it don't matter. Yeah. So that, and then that, True. and that I'm telling you, I'm telling True. you is probably the hardest thing to do in today's world with the way I look, look what's going on right now. Right. Like, I mean, to not get caught up in all the BS. Right. So to, to, to go out and literally enjoy that. So that's number one. Number two is wake up early. Right. Not rushed. You know, don't feel like you're going to get there late and you're going to miss and all that stuff and get there. Uh, beautiful sunrise. That's, uh, I don't care where you are in the world, what you're fishing for. 
there is, you know, a sunset's one thing, but a sunrise is something else. Um, yeah. You know, watching the, watching the earth wake up, watching mother nature wake up, uh, taking in, you know, the, the true surroundings around you, uh, you know, using your eyes and your ears. And, uh, it's amazing what happens when you're in that mental space and you're sucking it all in and uh, you don't really care whether you hook up or don't and when you do hook up it just you know everything comes together and and i'm not going to say you know whether it's a specific species or not because in my mind it doesn't matter you know whether whether i'm waking up to go steelheading for the day with a really good client that i've been looking forward to getting out that i've known for years and seen him catch his first fish and him thinking I'm the man for putting him on the spot and tell him to, you know, if you swing that right in behind that seam there and let it dangle for three seconds, you know, there's a good chance you're going to get a hit and the fish takes it and he looks at me and, you know, it gives you that smile that makes you feel like you're on top of the world. Right. That's pretty cool. But whether it's, you know, whether it's a steelhead, whether it's, you know, bass fishing and watching something come up and take a popper, whether it's stripping a 10 inch, you know, wet sock streamer for musky and, going through a corner section where you know they are and telling the guy you know keeps keep stripping keep casting you know it's gonna happen and all of a sudden it does or whether it's you know going driving you know leaving home at 7 30 at night to drive an hour and a half to get to a specific spot for <laughs> dry fly fishing for brown trout walking in there at 8 30 at night right yeah. and and standing there um and not even seeing a bug come off or a fish rise or you know vice versa you get there and there's bugs coming off everywhere and every freaking fish in the pool sipping and uh all of a sudden you see the big one and you know you lay out that perfect cast and it's pretty much almost dark but not quite and he comes up and takes it and then you land that and you take the picture in the dark and then you drive an hour and a half home like <laughs> who does that right but that that that's what it's crazy people. That's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, whether it's uh, I still I you know I absolutely love uh, love the Bow River, love Alberta. Uh, you know, the five years I spent out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I love jumping in a drift boat. You know, with a good guide that's been guiding out there for years. Uh, I know Josh Nugent well. Uh, fishing out fly fishing outfitters right and he now owns the west you know bought the west wind fly shop i hadn't been out there for a few years and i hooked up with them last year and he uh put me in with one of his head guides and and you know the water wasn't great and you know the guide was all kind of like oh i don't know man it's gonna be a tough day and i just looked at him and said dude i don't give a if i catch a fish or not today i said i just want to go strip streamers and chat fishing and have a good day and <laughs> Guess what? We landed a beauty brown, right? Stripping streamers, and it was all good. And I had hooked up with an old buddy uh, that I hadn't seen in years, and you know, we we hooked up that night and got a hotel and ended up uh, spending the day on the river and getting caught up. Um, and actually, that was the guy that introduced me to the Bow River uh, way back when when I moved out there in '99. Um, so, anyway, it's it's uh, to your specific question. I mean, uh, any day. Any day on the water with a fly rod in your hand is a good day. I like how you started that, though, Mike, as far as getting that mentally. Because I think a lot of us ignore that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm going fishing, I'm going fishing, and there's all this peripheral stuff going on in your life, day-to-day stuff, and you're not necessarily always focused, but you're right. 
I never really. You're never gonna enjoy it. No, you're. You're never gonna enjoy the day if you, if you got going on in yeah. in your brain that you can't deal with. Yeah. You're never gonna enjoy the day. Oh, that's good stuff. So, so that that's you know, and 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 you know, going on a fly fishing trip, perfect example. I what I've really learned, like you know, you you plan these trips a year in advance, right? You plan the people you're gonna take. You plan the people you're gonna go with. Mm-hmm. Well, you can plan all that. You can plan all your equipment. You can plan all that stuff. But if you haven't planned to actually be ready to go on that trip, not not gear, not money, not all that, for you to be ready to go on that trip, you're not going to enjoy the trip. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you're ready for it, right? Well, I, can, so. I can tell you without a doubt, I've had over 100 people interviewed on this, and you bleed fish. I mean, you, you threw some nuggets out there tonight that I'm going to hold on to, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time. But I want you to throw it all. How can we get a trip with Maitland Mike, uh, guide owner with Fly Fitters in southwestern Ontario? How do we look you up, Mike? How do we, uh, how do we schedule that trip, plan it, get mentally yeah. prepared? <laughs> so first thing uh obviously the easiest is my website www.flyfitters.ca uh, you know everything i offer everything i've done is on there um, i've got a blog on there but i don't of course keep it up like i should especially now since this covid19 thing i don't think i think the last blog i put on there said well definitely the spring of 220 2020 is going to be one to remember that's all i've said so i haven't even updated it with my you know dry fly fish quest and my you know, 30 days in a turkey blind at four in the morning and all that crazy stuff because this year has just been kind of different. But but anyways, website, uh, my contact info's on there, my email's on there, uh, Instagram, uh, Maitland Mike underscore Flyfitters uh, is my handle there. Facebook, of course, uh, Maitland Mike is my uh, my name on there as well. Um, and if, you know, you, you Google, Google Maitland River, Southwestern Ontario and fly fitters will be the first thing that comes up. And, uh, you know, whether you're, I'm, you know, starting into some pretty neat hosted trips now, unfortunately, uh, yesterday I was supposed to be leaving, bringing six guys, uh, with me up to uh, Northern Ontario to specifically target trophy Northern Pike on the fly. Hmm. Uh, we've had this trip booked for a year. Um, six past clients, all, all good guys, you know, handpicked that wanted to do this, that had all mentioned to this. I was fortunate enough to go up to this camp years ago. I uh, actually filmed a couple shows with Nick Pujic up there and, and Fly Nation back in the day. And it's, uh, and the, the other fellow that guides with me, Neil, he's been a full time, he's been the full time guide up there for the last, I think, eight seasons or something like that. So we had it dialed in. We had six guys lined up. It was going to be a fantastic trip. I was going to be one of the official guides. Neil was going to be another guide. And and then the other uh, guide up there that uh, Neil's gotten to know well was going to be the third guide. And we we're going to have two guys every day for four days. And we we're supposed to leave yesterday on that trip. Um, so that was a, for going to be the first year I was going to host a trip up there. Uh, planning to do that every year. Uh, hosting a trip down to Exuma Bahamas for bonefish. Uh, hosting a trip was going to host a trip out to the Nass river mm. with Steve McPhail and the uh, Nass wow. river steelhead company. Yeah. I did one, did went out there last year for the first time. It was fantastic. Steve runs a phenomenal camp up there. And uh, I was just actually texting to him today and he doesn't think he's going to be able to open. He thinks he's just going to write 2020 off. 
um, which is, you know, that's a tough, tough, tough thing for, for those guys in that, that situation to do. I, I really feel for all those guides, um, you know, especially on the West coast who, you know, most of their clientele are coming from the U S or from Europe, uh, that can't even come into the country and uh, who would ever thought that you wouldn't have been able to do a guide season. I would have never thought I would have, you know, I had to cancel my, hmm. my little, my little 15 days that I do in the spring. Right. But yeah. I'm, you know, when you think of these guys out there that, you know, do it for four or five months. Um, anyway. Um, so yeah, interesting here. So there's a uh, smallmouth and muskie around here. We do, um, you know, we've got some good brown trout. Uh, resident fishing as well and that steelhead is my claim to fame spay uh, i'm a spay guy uh, i've been running the spay rod for 15 years um if you've never cast a spay rod i can definitely set you up with that that's that's what i love doing i love swinging a fly love swinging a fly and stripping a streamer that's mm. pretty much it I i'm noticed, not a I i'm you- not a nympher <laughs> <laughs> I, I noticed <laughs> I'm staying out of that one. I noticed that you said that you also do a lot of learn to fly fish programs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah. And I guess I, I would say I have a, yeah, that's a little bit of specialty of mine. I've, I've had, a, I have a lot of fun doing that. Um, I can connect with people pretty quick and, and see what they're after and introduce fly fishing to them in a different way. And I'm all about, kind of what I've discussed so far tonight too. I'm all about, uh, you know, it's not fish you're after, right? It's experience and, um, the amount of people, and I would, I would say this, the amount of people that have inquired over the years that want to be introduced to fly fishing, none of them, I, I could almost say none of them want it is about catching fish. When you think about it, when someone, you know, sees the concept of fly fishing they think it's cool and they go well, that's neat i'd like to i'd like to try that and when you get them out on the river it's you know sh- sure they want to catch a fish but the the reason that they first contacted you to do that isn't about catching fish it's about the whole concept of fly fishing and trying to understand it you know why is it this way and how you do it and when you can take that and then mold mold that into you know understanding you know, just enjoying the whole experience and catching a fish's bonus. Uh, you know, you're setting you're setting someone up for life for a pretty neat uh, neat experience for them. So I end up doing a fair bit of that, and it's everything from you know fathers and sons to um, you know a couple girlfriends want to get together and do something different. Um, I, I auctioned this is a neat story. I'll, I'll say quick. I. Uh, there's a hospital gala fundraiser here a couple of years for the hospital in the town I grew up in. And um, so they, they asked, you know, would you be interested in donating a learn to group, learn to fly fish thing and we'll auction it off. And I was kind of nervous of my little hometown and, you know, no you know, does anyone even really know what Mike Verhoof is now or Maitland Mike? And anyway, my little $300 package auctioned off for 1600 bucks. And, um, if all things, it was a group of eight girls that I went to high school with that, that <laughs> bought it, that, uh, every September go on a girl's retreat, uh, to a different place. And they said, we're going to do this this year. So they rented a place at the, you know, little nice hut Ben Miller in here close to home. And I took them out for a day and, uh, the biggest compliment I got. So no, known them all for years. They're, you know, 
grew up together in high school, partied, all that fun stuff. But um, we all grow, you know, everyone's grown up now, right? We're all, right. you know, 49, 50 years old. And, and when they all said, you know, Mike, we've done everything. This was by far the coolest, funnest thing we've ever done as a group. And they've been doing this the last uh, eight, nine years together, going somewhere else, you know, whether it be a spa or wine tasting or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of put it into perspective, right? Oh, yeah. Um, the whole concept. So anyway, Good stuff. what else do I need to answer? That, you know what? That's I think you've answered more than I could ask. Um, I wish you a great season on the water, my friend. It's uh, It's been a... It's been a lot of fun chatting with you. We got to do this again sometime. Um, have a, have a great season and uh, tight lines, and hopefully you you, you get busy and, and get out lots. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Uh, appreciate the time as well. I think things are going to open up here in the very near future here in southwestern Ontario that we can get out and do some more. Just uh, you know, get back to actual guiding. Uh, tomorrow I've got a great day lined up going to chase some resident uh, brown trout on a system north of me here. I'm going to take my new canoe kayak and venture and cover some water and strip some streamers and hopefully end up on a great pool to do some dry fly fishing before dark and uh and uh i've prepped myself and i'm in the right mental spot to enjoy it put it that way the fly fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com thank you for listening to the fly fishing 97 podcast your feedback matters let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm -hmm.